listening to the weekly podcast presented by the Lighthouse Midlothian. For more information, please visit us at www.dfwlighthouse.org. Thank you and God bless. Say it again. I am well capable. We each have a piece of the promised land that God's given us, and we are all well capable to go and take it. We don't have to simply sit idly by and wait for it. God doesn't tell us just to wait, um, just sit on our couch and watch TV while we wait for something to happen. God tells us to be actively waiting to go in and take it, go in and take that courage. We've been talking recently about being strong. Um, Pastor Dan has had a series of messages that were really awesome about that and how to be strong in the Lord. Today, we're going to be talking about how to be strong in the context of each other. All right? So this message is called Some Assembly Required. Some Assembly Required. All right? It's part one of a series that we're going to be talking about fellowship And we're basically laying the groundwork today for why we need each other. Um, Then we're going to do a deep dive into how the church uh, should treat each other according to Scripture. And lastly, we'll apply those principles to the relationship structures in our lives. By the end, we will have a blueprint. For those of you that like blueprints, I know Jeremy, he loves blueprints. All right, we'll have a blueprint about how to assemble the body of Christ. Uh, Not just a building for us to meet in, but a strong habitation for the Lord, able to overcome the enemies in our lives and shine as a triumphant church. Who wants to shine today? I want to shine. I don't want to just simply sit idly by and just complain all the time, be like, God, this this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And he's given us some, some tools on how to shine. So let's get right into it. Fellowship. Fellowship. The Greek word is koinonia. It means a bunch of different things. And based on scripture is used in different areas. So it can be an association, a community. Midlothian's a community. All right, later we're going to be taking communion. All right, joint participation, intimacy, partnership, distribution, contribution, assembly, assembly. Now, that word assembly is much more than just simply attending. It's about being assembled together, being intimate as one, joint partnership, contribution. So let's take all those words and have a new definition. A fellowship is a community of people, groups, or entities wherewith they share a common good. It's more than a meeting. It's an intimate joining of souls, sharing life together. It's more than attending church. It's about being the church. Father God, we want to get your heart today. Lord, link our hearts with you. Lord, we want you above all things. And Lord, you've already been blessing us this morning. Lord, we want you to continually bless us. Lord, we want your heart. We want you. We don't want just what you give us. We want you, the person. We want a relationship with you. We want to know you. 
Help us to know you more today in Jesus' name. Amen. So I got a question for you guys. What do you find frustrating? What do you find frustrating? Just, just shout out some answers. What do you find frustrating? Huh? Stupidity. Stupidity. That's very frustrating. All right, anything else? Anything else that's frustrating? Traffic. Traffic. Huh? Yeah, like what's up? Summer used to start after Labor Day. Come on, people. We need to get back to like the olden times. Like, I want to have a whole summer. Anybody else? What else do you find frustrating? People think they know everything. You probably are like that, Chris. He probably thinks he knows everything. Talking to me like, what's up? What else? Anybody else? Myself. Sometimes, yeah, I'm frustrated with myself. I keep doing the same stupid things over and over and over again. Well, I'm going to show you a quick video here about what something I find frustrating. Pay your attention to the screen. This is why I never had babies. All, like duct tape would be everywhere. Everything would be duct tape. Because there's something in my brain that doesn't jive with like putting stuff together, like physical things. Like I remember putting together a dishwasher. I needed a new dishwasher. And I was like, I'm the man. I can install this dishwasher myself. Well, it turns out what should have taken an hour took 13 hours. And just to put in a dishwasher and connect the cable. All right, connect the hose. And I just something in my brain doesn't connect. I'm following the instructions, and it, like, it doesn't, just doesn't jive. So when I get like Ikea furniture, I'm like, man, that looks really good. I go to the store, you know, I'm like the cow getting herded through the store, and then I smell those Swedish meatballs, and then my mind goes blank, and then I still have half of the store left to go through. And I'm like, man, that's nice, that's nice, that's nice. And maybe I'll get something, and, I'm, and I go home and put it together, and I'm just like, man, I don't even know what the name of this is. I don't even know how to pronounce this. And then I get all the pieces out, and it's just like all these things, and then all these instructions, and I get it together, and then like, it just falls apart. And that, that ever happened to anybody? Is that just me? Because that's happened to me a couple times. I just, my mind isn't wired that way. And so I actually went to Ikea yesterday, all right? I was just like, you know what? I'm going to prepare for this. I'm going to go to Ikea so I can have the Ikea experience fresh in my mind. All right, so I was just, I was like, what, what is something simple I can put together? And I'm not totally incapable. I could eventually find my way into doing things. But just a small thing, I, I, just a small wooden crate like this, this is how it came out. I couldn't just buy a small wooden crate fully assembled. 
All right, it was like all like prepackaged and with instructions. And this one is called Naglig. Now, I don't speak Swedish, but so if you're watching and, and you speak Swedish and you're like, Chris, you butchered that, I'm sorry, please forgive me. But to me, this is a Naglig. And it has all these little pieces and screws and stuff. And I'm like, why can't you just give me a little wooden crate? Like, I just wanted a wooden crate, something that I can like have a decorative thing. You know, eventually I'll put that together. But and I'm thinking to myself, like, sometimes the church looks like that. Sometimes we have, like, all these people and all these pieces, and how do we put them together? Like, I open the box of furniture from Ikea, and, you know, it, sh it shows me how to do it with the instructions. It says step by step, you know, insert here, screw here, Allen wrench, who loves the Allen wrench? Allen, we love you, Allen. All right. And sometimes, but the thing is about these individual pieces, they really don't mean a whole lot till you put them together and it makes a whole. We are not a bolt or a piece of wood. We all share the common good to be one church. And it's when we are so focused on our individuality, we're like, I, I, I need to have my opinion. I need, to, I need to do my thing and have my agenda. And I need to, I need to do it my way. And then that's when we're kind of like just don't really fit because we're always trying to, to, to do things our way. Um, you know, Ikea, if it was uh, created by the Soviet Union, it would be Wikia. Um, it would be all of us doing it together as one. And the church, the church is really supposed to be like that. It's not supposed to be one person, one person ahead of the show and doing everything. We all have a piece. We all have a part to play. Now, a lot of you are here today because you're like, man, I really love God. And I really love assembling together with his body. But when it comes, then we go home and maybe we take a nap and maybe we do other things. And then Monday morning comes and we feel alone again. We feel like that individual piece that doesn't quite fit into the body. You know, Ikea, it's sometimes frustrating, but it's worth it. If you take the effort, it will come out the way that the instruction manual has dictated. We all have a choice of what or to whom we join ourselves. And whatever partnership we choose will directly influence our thoughts our feelings, our actions, and we become like that to which we join ourselves. We transform ourselves from being individuals into fellowships in a bigger whole. Let me give you an example. If I binge watch something on Netflix, or if I binge watch that and like for like two days straight, all I'm watching is Netflix, am I really going to be having my thoughts on the Lord or are my thoughts going to be surrounded around that show? What do you think? Show or God? Show. Show. So we're anything we join ourselves to, anything that we participate in, our thoughts, our actions are going to be centered around that thing. So my question is, are we joining ourselves to the Lord? Let's break this down. The Lord has three fellowships, three fellowships. There's fellowship of the word, fellowship of the spirit, and fellowship of the believers. Tim, uh, first, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Who here loves the Bible? I love the Bible. I am constantly being enriched by the word of God. Constantly. Then we have the fellowship of the spirit. All right. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's spirit. It all sounds foolish to them and they can't understand it. For only those who are spiritual can understand what the spirit means. God, I mean, there's times I look at scripture and I'm like, God, I need you. I need you to interpret what this is actually saying. And the Holy Spirit brings the voice of the Lord to life. Then we have the fellowship of believers. 1 Corinthians 12, 12, for just as the one body is one has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. We are the body of Christ. And honestly, you may think that you're an insignificant piece. Like maybe you think you're just a, a bolt or a screw. Or maybe you think you're just like a random piece of wood. But I guarantee you the whole picture does not work unless that piece is involved. The whole does not come together unless every piece is used. That's why after I build Ikea furniture and there's still pieces that are left in the bag, I'm like, what did I do wrong? What did I do wrong? And I have to go back and like redo it. And it's like, because every piece matters. So when we talk about the three fellowships of God, all right, number one, God speaks. The reality of what God wants to say has already been written down in his love letter to us. Now, I love getting a prophetic word, but a prophetic word will never contradict what the word of God says. You guys hear me? It'll never contradict the word of God. His love letter to us contains a whole lot of information, revelation, and inspiration. And again, it's sometimes hard to interpret. All right, so God breathes. That letter, which just looks like words on a page, become alive and personal to us. The Holy Spirit illuminates it and turns confusion to clarity. How many times have you ever been confused about something and then you're reading your Bible and it just brings clarity into that situation? All right, sometimes it brings mystery to revelation. You feel like you're in the dark. And the Holy Spirit illuminates something that God says and all of a sudden, bing, the light bulb goes off and you're like, I know what to do now. It turns darkness to light. But the word seems like foolishness. It seems like foolishness to those who don't have the spirit of God because the spirit has to enlighten that truth to us. And a lot of times we're, we're trying to speak truth to people that don't have the spirit of God enlightening to, to them. So we're like truth, 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 and everything you say may be right. But if they don't have the spirit of God, they're like, I don't know what you're saying. It's foolishness. It's foolishness to me. So we need to actively pray that God is filling people with his Holy Spirit so that they can receive not just what God is saying in his word, but the very heart of what God is saying to them. Then we get to God assembles. We can only carry a glimpse of God. That's why we need each other, to get the bigger picture. All right, all of us carry a glimpse of God. None of us, no human, no human has the whole picture of who God is. Are you guys, there's a, there's a creature in the Bible that's described as being full of eyes. Like, 
everywhere, just eyes everywhere. And it's just constantly gazing at God in heaven, constantly gazing. And one eye looks at God and is just like, whoa! And it's just like, whoa moment with God. And then another eye is looking at a different facet of God and he's just like, whoa! And then another eye is like, whoa, and whoa, and whoa, and whoa, and then like the, the synaptic firing is just like, Zzz. and this creature in heaven like has an eternity of whoa moments. Because you cannot capture all of who God is within our tiny little brains. We can't do it. All right, we often point out how the church is fractured into thousands of denominations around the world. And I believe at least a reason for that is that God cannot be contained within a mind or even within a denomination. All right, think about Muslims, Buddhists, and atheists. They serve a God who can fit into a box. Islam has about 30 denominations. Buddhism has about 100. Atheism has one. It's called self. <laughs> All right? And how many schools of thought encompass Christianity? 45,000. 45,000 different ideas about who God is. Is it because the body of Christ is disconnected from each other? Or is it because God is too big for one person, one group, or one denomination? The answer is both. Sometimes we fracture ourselves. Sometimes we get a glimpse, and we're just so focused on that glimpse, we think that's the fullness of God. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with, with Christians, you know, Catholics and Charismatics and Pentecostals and, and Baptists and Methodists, and all of them have their idea of who God is, and they think they've, they have the corner on truth. Pastor Dan said on July 18th, none of us have the corner on truth. None of us do. It's human nature to try to figure things out. It's human nature to try to, to put God in a box. God convinces us about one aspect, and we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. But then he wants us to be like, like that creature with the eyes, and we're constantly seeing him from different perspectives. That's why we need each other. If we can join with Christians that have varying gifts and philosophies, we can finally assemble as the church that God desires. A lot of times we only want to join ourselves to people. You can leave that slide up for a little bit. Sometimes we only join ourselves to people who agree with us. And then we're like, if you don't agree with me, then you're not a Christian. All three fellowships of God are vitally important. And we can experience deficiencies in all three. Sometimes we don't read our Bible. Sometimes we don't commune with the Spirit. But a lot of times during the week, we really don't commune with believers. We're just doing our own thing, living our own life, stuck in our comfort zones, putting up our walls, and engaging with people that think different than us seems terrifying. We're like, I don't like stupidity, and some people are just stupid. And we're like, dang, I don't, want, I don't like you. But God designed us to need each other. Everybody say it with me. We need each other. Now look to your neighbor and say, I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. That's right. Tony needs everybody. <laughs> Hebrews 10, 23 to 25 says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do 
but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, all of us have an opinion about when Jesus is coming back. All right, I want to be ready today. Like every day, I want to be ready today. And so I want to be living my life where people are motivating me to love and good works and encouraging me to look to Jesus. And I want to live my life doing that for other people. Godly relationships strengthen us and keep our focus on things above rather than only on the things of this world. In worship, for me, the common theme was directing our attention to Jesus. And when we neglect meeting each other, it's easy to get off our attention to the thing that's affecting us rather than on Jesus. If God desires us to assemble, we should not be so quick to neglect each other. Again, it's more than meeting on Sunday morning. It's about doing life together. It's about finding, finding those people that God has put into your life and not making excuses to neglect being with each other. So what are some, how are some ways we neglect assembling together? All right, we have the four Ds. Who here has watched Triple D, Diners, Drivers, and Dives? Anybody watch that show? Flavortown with Guy Fieri. Love Flavortown. If you guys are like, I don't know what you're talking about, that's okay. That's all good. I'm going to keep going. All right, so we have four Ds. All right, we have disappointment, where we feel grief. Dismissal, we feel rejected. Distra distraction, we feel busy. And deception, we just feel lost. So let's break this down. Why we neglect each other. So disappointment, this is a big one, especially over the last couple of years where we were so certain that things were going to go a certain way. Everybody at the beginning of 2020 was just like, I have a vision, 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 vision. And then all of a sudden the Lord just like, eh, maybe not. <laughs> Maybe the church is not going to be built by October 2020. <laughs> maybe you're not going to stay in health for all of, maybe you're not going to stay unaffected by COVID. Maybe you're, maybe I have different plans for you. Maybe stuff is going to happen and I'm going to be working some things in your life. But disappointment happens when we feel something's been taken from us. Possessions, relationships, dreams, security, uh, some of you know um, my story. I'm going to tell you an aspect of it I don't share often. But one of the biggest disappointments between me and God was the loss of not having children of my own. And so I remember getting saved in 2007, getting filled with the Holy Spirit a month later, on fire for God, devouring his word, and clinging to the promises of God. And there was this deep desire in my heart for children. And I love Jesse. I really do treat him as my son. Everybody say, hi, Jesse. <laughs> Jesse's just like, I hate being pointed at. But I really do love Jesse as my own. But there is still this desire. I really want biological children. And even people were praying, and we got this word about twins. And we're like, oh, yeah, twins. That's going to be awesome. And Christina and I even named our twins. And we were preparing. And we even were like, by faith, we're going to buy baby clothes. And by faith, we're going to get stuff ready and make, and make changes in our life to, to receive these kids that God has for us. And then a year goes by, no kids. Another year goes by, no kids. Another year and another year and another year goes by, no kids. 
And then people start prophesying, God's going to give you children, God's going to give you children, God's going to give you children. And I'm like, tell that to God. I mean, he's the one that you have to convince, not me. And then because of that disappointment, my heart started getting hard. So then when people start prophesying, I was just like, I don't want to hear what you guys say. I know a guy wants to give me kids, blah, 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 blah. And I got a hard heart about it. I got disappointed. And when we get discouraged or disappointed, we feel like God has not come through on fulfilling his promises. We waver from the truth and we find hope elsewhere. For me, I threw myself into work. I threw myself into it. I was just like, I just need to, to keep busy because I was, so, I was so disappointed. But the more that we distance ourselves from the truth of God, the more we feel like God's not around. So we're like, God, I'm disappointed. God, I'm going to do something else to cure my disappointment. And then we blame God. God, why aren't you around? When it wasn't God who left, it was me who started walking away. And over the course of the last year or two, the Lord's really been dealing with me. Do you care more about having children or do you care about me? What do you care more about, the fulfillment of my promise or the, the reality of knowing me? And I came to that revelation. I said, God, I want to know you above all else. I don't care if I have children. I don't care if I have money. I don't care if I have a house. All those things are wonderful blessings. But I want to know Jesus intimately. I want to know him and be known by him. That's what I want my life to be. Blaming God for the suffering in our lives doesn't breathe life into our souls. We blame God and we're like, it's your fault. All it does is suck the life out of us. We blame him for our troubles and then we lump God's people into that dis disappointment and we distance ourselves from anybody that's called a Christian. We're like, well, they're just happy-go-lucky people and they wouldn't understand what I'm going through. So we distance ourselves from them. When we experience grief or loss or disappointment or insecurity, the easy answer is to close ourselves off and deal with it alone. But that is not how God designed us. It only slips us further down the rabbit hole away from God. We, he designed us to need each other. I love this morning, Gary invited everybody who felt like they needed healing to come forward. And a lot of you came forward to receive. And it would have been easy for some of us just to stay in our seats and be like, I'm going to deal with my thing alone. I'm going to deal with my thing alone. Nobody understands. Everybody that's prayed for me hasn't helped. And we come with all these excuses and why we shouldn't ask for people's help. When in reality, God wants us to be in a support system. Sometimes God uses those people's faith to bring that healing. Other time, he uses those people's comfort to guide us back to Jesus, who's really going to be with us through the whole process. Joseph didn't get immediate deliverance from all of his troubles. But the one thing that was consistent, God was with him. And we need people in our lives that remind us, God's with you, God's with you, God's with you, God's with you, regardless of the circumstances. The reason we can stand strong is because even if the situation does not turn out how we plan, it will turn out good because God works everything out for good. 
to those who love him are called according to his purpose, Romans 8, 28. Now, that, sometimes that's like a platitude. And the last thing you want to hear when you're suffering is like, God's going to work everything out for good for those who love God and call according to his purpose. And you're like, you don't understand what I'm going through. Because you have someone that just quotes that verse and walks away and they're not really involved in your life. They're just giving you like a quick little platitude and hoping that you feel good. But there's so much rich truth within that verse. Because God, he's going to use everything. He's going to use my disappointments. He's going to use the times that I obey him. He's going to use the times I disobey him. He's going to use it all for good. He does not waste a piece. He uses it all to work for our good. Having a community around us helps through those difficulties and points us back to God. Galatians 6.2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Number two, dismissal. It happens when we feel like someone has abandoned us, abused us, overlooked us, rejected us, betrayed our confidence. I had a friend when I was at CFNI, and I was going through a really difficult season about something that the Lord was, was dealing with me about my past. And so I go to him, and it really is not appropriate to share in this context, but I was, I was being vulnerable with him because I was just like, I need some community to help me through this. I need someone to pray with me, link their faith with me, and just be there with me. And so I was like telling him, hey, here's what happened in my past. And he was like, oh yeah, guys, we don't share that stuff. We don't, we don't, we don't share that kind of thing with each other. You need, you need to just keep that quiet and just like not, pretend like it's not there. Man, I felt rejected because I was having a hard time being vulnerable anyways. And the minute that I was, he just shut me down. And so that friendship, I was just like, you know what? Like, we can't be as good of friends if, we, if I can't be honest. I need people that I can be honest with. And the reality is, in this world, even in the church, there's going to be some people that betray us. Humans are messy, emotional, and selfish creatures. Can I get an amen? <laughs> we often choose self-interest over the interest of others. And all of us can think of someone who's abandoned us, abused us, rejected us, or broke our confidence. In fact, some of you may be thinking of that person right now. And maybe the reason that person's on your mind is the Lord's just like, you need to forgive them. Amen. We usually have two options when this happens, when we feel dismissed or tossed aside, rejected. We can follow the mandate of the Lord to forgive, and that frees up our heart to have a heart of God. Or we can just follow our own feelings, which often leads to bitterness, guys. Like that bitterness is real and it is destructive. People tell me all the time, they're like, Chris, you need to do this, 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 and this, this to be healthy. But they have so, there's some of the people I know that say those things, they have so much bitterness in them, like they themselves are unhealthy and go to the doctor all the time because like that bitterness really does eat away at you. When we become bitter, we stop trusting, we close ourselves off, and we reject the body of Christ. Closing up may protect us from the pain, but it also shields us from receiving the blessings. It's easy to protect ourselves. When you are in a state of pain, you're going to protect that place of pain. 
If I hurt my leg, I'm going to favor the leg. I'm going to be, I'm going to try to make sure I have as little pain in that leg as possible. All right, when we experience emotional pain, oftentimes we're just closing ourselves off and we miss that God's going to bless us through people. As much as, he, as we're going to be hurt through people, God's going to bless us through people. And if we're closing ourselves off from the body of Christ, we are missing a lot of his blessings. I believe there are some of us in here today that have protected yourselves so much that you have missed out on blessing after blessing after blessing after blessing because you said no to community because you were hurt and God says it's time to open up to what God wants and who he's going to lead to you. It's time to open up again. It's time to put down that wall and let some people in who are going to bless you and build you back up. As elders, we've been talking about the word rebuilding. Some of us are so damaged that we see this damage and we don't realize that God is wanting to rebuild and it is time to take that rubble and start pursuing that rebuilding process. I understand that people can be foolish and selfish, but what gives me grace to deal with others is knowing how many times Jesus forgave me of my foolishness and selfishness. I am as much of a messy, emotional, selfish person as anybody else. And Christina's quietly saying, amen. <laughs> no, she's wonderful. All right, my wife has forgiven me for things. My son has forgiven me. I have friends who've forgiven me. Some of you in this room are like, probably like, yeah, yeah, Chris, you hurt me and you forgave me. And I love that. So I, when I think about the things that people do wrong to me, I, I have grace for them because I know how the things I've done wrong and the grace that people have shown me. And so it humbles me. I receive an abundance of forgiveness, remembering how I've been forgiven so I can extend forgiveness. Colossians 3.13, be gentle and ready to forgive, never holding a grudge. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. The next way we neglect ourselves is distraction. We feel busy. Who here some feels like they're just living a busy life? I know sometimes I feel we're just busy. All right, it happens when we fill our schedule with the things that we want rather than the thing God wants us to do. All right, I told you that in the midst of my disappointment, I threw myself into work. And towards the end of this job, I was working at a summer camp, and towards the end of this job, I realized, um, yeah, something's got to change. I'm like working 100 hours a week. I just felt depleted and burned out. And, and Christina was vying for my attention, and she's just like, hey, when are you going to stop hanging out with your mistress to hang out with your wife? I was like, dang. <laughs> like, could you like season that with a little bit of grace? Like, you got to be that blunt about it. But it's reality, my work was my mistress. I hung out with my work and doing work things more than I ever hung, during that season, more than hanging out with Christina. And I had to really think about my priorities. And so what I ended up doing, I quit that job. Not because, not because Christina made me quit, it's because I realized I was a bad husband. Like God was just like, boom, you need to work on that. And so I had to make a life change. I had to stop distracting myself and finally deal with my disappointment, deal with the break in our marriage. And it was, I wasn't even doing really any bad things at the time. I was just distracting myself with stuff. 
This is a world full of activities that want our attention. Work, school, ministry. How many times has like ministry just been like so demanding and just like, wow, man, I spent like 40 hours just counseling people. Our sports, hobbies, chores, entertainment, social media, politics, etc. All sorts of stuff. We're so distracted by so many things. Like, I can't tell you how many times I get into conversations, and I love talking politics, and if you ever want to talk politics with me, I'd be happy to, just not on the stage. Um, so if you want to talk to me personally about politics, I love it. But a lot of times, a lot of my conversation with Christians, we start talking about Jesus, and all of a sudden, like, deviates into politics. I'm just like, no, we get back, gotta get back, back to Jesus. Back to Jesus. But it's so easy to get caught up in these distractions that take our focus off of the Lord. That's why we need people to say, hey, you know, you may be watching too much Netflix. If you, like, binge, like, six seasons in a weekend, like, maybe you're watching too much Netflix. <laughs> but that's between you and Jesus. That's not my place. All right? It's easy to fall into the t trap that we're just too busy for people. All right? I, like, sometimes when I would go to work, I would get home, I'm just super tired. And then, and then I have to like, and I have an appointment in the evening at the church. And I was like, I don't want to go. And then I make every excuse in the world not to go. And then really what I'm doing is staying at home, sulking, either falling asleep or distracting myself with mindless activities rather than finding my strength in the Lord with other people. It's really easy to find every excuse in the world not to be with people. All right. We have enough to worry about without adding be a part of a community to our checklist. We have enough to worry about. But if we're not part of an active community in the Lord, we're missing the Lord. Because there's things we need from each other. I've learned to let God control my schedule. I will wake up in the morning now and say, God, here's the things I need to do today. But I'm flexible. What do you want? What do you want? These are the things that have to get done today. These are the things I'd like to do. But at the end of the day, I want to do what you want. And sometimes the Lord just lets the day progress as, I, as I've written it out on my to-do list. Sometimes he interrupts it and is just like, hey, this thing happened. Whatever happens, it gets my full attention. We're often too burned out for people because of the priorities in our lives are out of whack. We need to put God back at number one and letting the people in our life push us into that direction. Like if all the people in our life are just pushing us down and looking at other things, Maybe it's time to find someone else that's going to help us into that other direction. The community of Christ is supposed to put us, our focus back on Jesus. When our lives are submitted to him, we know what we need, and he knows what we need and how we operate. He knows if I'm being too codependent on others. Like, I'm an extrovert, like hardcore extrovert. And a lot of times I'm surrounded by introverts that just don't like people. And I'm like, let's hang out, let's party. And they're like, yeah, I'm going to stay home. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to have an hour just petting my dog and just having cuddles. And I'm just like, we can party. You can pet your dog. I'm going to just party while you do that. They're like, no, no, you, you're weird. Stop it. <laughs> he knows if we need our introvert breaks. Trusting him with our schedules not only protects from burnout, but it sets us up to live a fulfilling life in community that's based on love and not obligation. If you're obliged to do this or this or this or this or this, then it's time to get back into the heart of God and say, God, what do you want? 
Because if everything is just a duty or an obligation, that really stifles our relationship with Jesus. We should be excited about being a part of the community. Now, there's times when we kind of have to fake it till we make it because we know we need each other. I have people that have grown. They're like, I don't like this, but I'm going to do it anyway because it's what's best for me. And sometimes it starts there, and then you realize, you know what? I kind of like these people. They're kind of cool people. I kind of like you guys. You guys are awesome. So Ephesians 4.25, it says, stop lying to each other. Tell the truth, for we are parts of each other. And when we lie to each other, we are hurting ourselves. If you see someone that's distracting themselves from the Lord, actively distracting themselves, like just let them know, like, hey, man, I really think you need to stop doing this. Like those times when people are like, Chris, like you're walking down this path that's really not great for you. I love that. I can't tell you how much I love that. And afterwards, all of you are going up to me like, Chris, you did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. But the people that have a relationship with me, I'm like, you have an act, you are, you are welcome to, to tell me anything. And so those people that are like, Chris, I love you. I'm telling this because this is really bad for you. I'm like, thank you for loving me enough to tell me, to correct me. That takes bravery on your part. And I want to stay humble because I want to, I want Jesus. And if I'm doing something that's keeping me off that path, keeping my mind off of him, I'd rather be told. It's kind of like when you have a booger hanging out of your nose. You have two types of friends. You have the friends that just sitting like, <laughs> and let you go on your business. But then you have the good friends be like, yo, 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 you got to take care of that thing. Here. I like those second people because then I don't get embarrassed. Now I'm self-conscious. There's probably a bigger hand on my nose. All of you have been this whole time. <laughs> the fourth way that we neglect each other is we feel lost. It happens when we accept the voices around us or inside us as greater authority than the voice of God. So I remember being in high school. Now for some of us, that was a long time ago. Some of us, that's like a current reality. But I remember being in high school and I had that whole season of high school, I was just like, I'm done with church. I was just like, I'm just done. I grew up in a Lutheran church, was not saved. And so the only, I was just like, I'm just done. I'm just going to live my own life, do my own thing. And I believe the voices around me that told me that like how evil the church was. The church was responsible for millions of people being murdered throughout history. The church is blah, blah, blah. The church is blah, blah, blah. And I believed all of these things. And I let them, I let them dictate who Jesus was. Well, Jesus is just like this maniacal overlord just killing people and punishing people. And so why would I want to be in a church that's like that? And so I believe these voices that were around me, they're screaming into my ears, like, stay home. You don't need church. All right. Another popular thing we've been hearing lately, shelter in place. You don't need church to stay home. You can watch online. And sometimes that's acceptable. But then at other times you have to ask yourself, well, I can't just stay here by myself. Yes, I need to be conscious about what's happening in the world, but I also need somebody else. I need people in my life. Even that's a phone call or a Zoom meeting. If you're one of those people that you're just like, you know, I have to stay home or I have to protect a loved one, that's awesome. Do what, do what you need to do, but you still need to be a part of a community. We cannot reject assembling together. These voices make us afraid to be around people, afraid to go outside. Um, we've learned not to trust each other, not to let them into our lives. We pretend like the church is no longer the assembly of God that, that he's designed it to be. 
All right, a popular movement today that's creeping into the church culture, it's attempting to strip away the institution of Christianity by advocating for a post-pandemic alternative. We'll call this an online format. The movement decries the evils of modern day church and wishes to kind of deconstruct it into a more intimate one-on-one paradigm. It's just me and Jesus. You guys ever hear that? It's just me and Jesus, me and Jesus. You can't tell me nothing because it's just me and Jesus. There's a place for alone time with God. I encourage everybody to have a daily alone time with God. And some instances, like we had talked about earlier, staying home can be beneficial. But if we are only alone in our faith, we will stick to that small group of people that agree with us, and we miss a major part of how God wants to reveal himself. Joseph Smith, you guys are aware of him? All right. I think what happened was he had this vision from the Lord, and he didn't really know what to do with it. So instead of like testing it with the body of believers, he just like, let's kind of run with this. A lot of times we get these things in our head and we're like, we think it's God and we don't test it with the body of believers to see, is this really what God is saying? When we're alone, we're even more tempted to fall into error or, or things that just may not be on par with what God is saying. We're like, well, God told me this. I'll give you an example. I was, uh, Christine and I, we, and I don't know if Jesse was there or not, but we were at an orientation for CFNI. It was like the first week of CFNI, and basically it was like gathering like this, was worship, there was teaching and prayer and all sorts of stuff. And this guy, he had this, he sees this woman, and he has this word from the Lord, man, that's going to be my wife. Like the Lord's telling me that's going to be my wife. So he goes up to her, and he's just like, hey, 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 Mr. Confidence. And he's just like, hey, the Lord tell, is telling me right now that we're supposed to be married. <laughs> she looks at him. She's like, well, let me ask my husband and see what he thinks about that. <laughs> I, I almost died that day. It was hilarious. But being with community helps us to know if what we're hearing from God is really true or not. All right, we need to know the enemy is actively trying to dismantle the local church. Over the course of history, the devil has been threatened by the church because we are the body of Christ. And so we can't be fooled into thinking that he's not going to try to actively dismantle us. Meeting together is one of the primary ways that God builds strength into us. And he, does, and he, he wants us to be strong. Sacrificing our assembling together not only weakens our faith, but it gives the enemy a foothold to say all these weird things into our heads. Now, no local church also means no local church ministry. All right? If all the local churches were gone, who would champion the cause of orphans, of widows, the poor, foreigners, missions, if there was no local church and we were all just me and Jesus, who would do all those things? People and organizations within the body of Christ have their flaws, yes. Have people who claim to be Christians done some really awful things, yes. But historically, if you actually look at real history and not just agenda history, like the disenfranchised have always been taken care of and empowered by the church. 
Let me give you some examples of how the church has used religion to build people up. Abolition of slavery. That was a church forward movement. William Wilberforce, the reason why he actively fought for the abolition of slavery was because of his faith in Christ. In America, it was the churches who saw, you know what, this is a bad thing. And we often hear, well, the church was responsible for slavery. Were there some people that went to church that were responsible for that? Yes. But in terms of the abolition of it, it was a very church-forward movement. All right, who, who here is old enough to vote? Just raise your hand if you're old enough to vote. I don't want to know if you vote. It's just I just want to know if you're old enough. All right? Minorities, all right, got the right to vote because it was a church-forward movement. Women got the right to vote because of the church. Susan B. Anthony was a Christian whose faith said, you know what, women need a voice. We often say, you know, the church is bigoted and the church is against women. The church is really the one that championed all this stuff. Voting rights, abolition of slavery, civil rights movement. All right, we often forget that Martin Luther King Jr. was a preacher. All right, orphanages, homeless shelters, food banks, disaster relief, crisis pregnancy centers, fostering adoptive agencies, thrift stores, jail ministry, hospitals, schools, nursing homes, all these things championed by the church. Does the church do some bad things sometimes? Sure. But if you have not been convinced that the church does some real good, then you are just lying to yourself. Religion is not bad, people. Bad religion is bad. True religion happens when we faithfully meet together and spur one another to love and good works. The church, when it is assembled correctly, is a mighty power for good. Who here was blessed today? If we were such, if the church was so bad, why are we blessing people? Let the church bless you. We can't let the world system, politics, social media, friends, or family, we cannot let the world system dictate who or what the church is. We can't let them define Christianity. Let God define what Christianity is. Let the scriptures define it for us. All right, the people that are constantly saying the church is evil, the church is evil, their perspective is often marred by that bitterness, by that disappointment, and does not provide for that bigger picture of who God is and what he wants to do in the earth. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to God your Father who is in heaven. I told you in high school, I wanted nothing to do with church. When I married Christina, I saw how her family really went after God in an authentic way. I was just like, wow, like they're doing some good things. And I gave glory to God and said, if this is what the church is, I want to be part of it. And so I became part of it because I saw some people, some Christians doing some cool, really cool stuff. God is building his church and the schemes of hell shall not prevail against it. Matthew 16, 18. Now I've given you four reasons why we neglect meeting together. And some of you can come up with your own reasons why you've neglected. But all I know is when I was praying about this message to deliver is that we need to stop thinking that each other are the enemy. We need to stop just coming on Sunday mornings and attending church. 
and actively lived that in each other's lives. Arlen testified today that he was going through some stuff and the body of Christ surrounded him and lifted him up during a hard time and continues to do so. And a lot of us have those, those similar testimonies. And if that's not your testimony, stop waiting for someone to reach out to you and say, I need help. There's no shame in going up to someone, will you help me? Will you help me, please? I'm really struggling. I'm drowning. I'm feeling bitter. I'm feeling disappointed. I'm distracted with all these things, and I feel so distant from God. I feel lost. I have all these voices telling me what to believe, and I just don't know what to believe. Ask someone for help. Yes, we need each other, but we also need to be humble enough to say, I need you. I need you. I need you. Sometimes just being around you guys, I see your example of faith, and I'm like, man, that's such an answer to my prayer just by seeing the way that you live. And I am just so encouraged, and then I'm like, you know what? I need to start putting that into my life. But if I'm just all day scrolling on my phone, all day watching stuff and distracting myself, all day reading news articles, all day shaking my fist at politics, all day doing all this stuff... I want to miss my eyes on Jesus and letting him speak to me, which is really going to be the thing that breeds life. So pray. Who are the people that should be in your life? Because not everyone belongs in your life. I admit that. Not everybody does. But there are people. And we need to actively pray who those people are. Who are those people for you? Let's stand up to our feet. Worship team, if you guys can come forward. Right where you're at, I just want you to close your eyes. Just close your eyes. And I want you to picture Jesus. What does he look like to you? Close your eyes and just picture Jesus. What does he look like to you? Maybe it's his eyes of fire. Maybe you're picturing the, his voice of many waters going forth. Maybe you're picturing him on the cross or maybe you're picturing him resurrected. But what is the image of Jesus to you? All of his perfection. Think about that perfect image of Jesus. What does he look like? And maybe you're picturing what he does for you. Maybe you're picturing what he's already done. Now ask yourselves with your eyes closed, what type of church or bride does he deserve? That perfect Jesus, that wonderful Jesus, that beautiful image of Jesus, what type of church or bride does he deserve? Does he deserve a broken, discouraged, complaining, groveling church? Or a beautiful, shining, victorious church? Father, I ask you right now, Give us your grace. Help us to become everything that you desire. And help us to put anything that hinders us from giving you what you want. Lord, we humble ourselves today. And Lord, I, I know there's some really rough stuff that we're dealing with, individually and as a body. 
and you say that you went through a lot of the same things that we went through to show us, to show us that you understand. You've, you were betrayed. The friends who were closest to you walked out on you. But still, you died and rose again for us. We don't perform to be a shining bride. Lord, I pray we accept your gift of grace. And as our love offering to you, we shine. We don't shine to perform for you. We shine because we're already accepted. Help us, Lord. Help us to overcome those dark places. Help us to overcome our pride, those things that get in the way of us truly connecting. So we're not just talking about you, but we're communing with you. Lord, give us your grace. Give us your grace. In Jesus' name.